James 3. If you want to look in your bulletin or turn to um, in your Bibles. It's James 3, 1 through 12. <clears throat> Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by, by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Amen. Someone left a post-it up there. It wanted to post on the bottom of my foot. And good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor. Thank you, Mr. Bobo, once again. I can always count on you. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And as we continue <clears throat> in our sermon series today, I want to thank Paul, our pastoral assistant, for preaching last week. Appreciate that. I had a conference in Clemson. Um, at, it's called, it was called the Restore Conference, and it was put on by Cross Point Church and Clemson Presbyterian Church, Baptists and Presbyterians together, and it was some good stuff. Um, so thank you so much. As we continue in our sermon series today through the book of James, I want to warn you all right now before we go any further. Now don't go run to your nearest exit. Or go get your kids. But it is safe to say that every person in this room, in the holster of their mouth, is carrying a concealed weapon of mass destruction. We've been looking for it all this time over in Iraq, and it is sitting right here. <laughs> what am I talking about? Your tongues, not just any tongue, 
a dragon tongue, right? Able to breathe destructive fire and in its nature split right down the middle. On one side, able to bless and the other curse. We have already heard from James in earlier chapters that in response to God's grace to us, we must live holy lives consistent with who God is and the Bible calls us to be. So James insists that we must train our dragon tongues. James says earlier, we must bridle our tongues, our communications. And though he might not have seen this coming, this would apply to tweeting and blogging and Instagramming and texting and Facebooking and vining and emailing because now the tongue is virtual, but a tongue never the last. A virtual dragon tongue, just as fiery and split as the physical one. We must train our tongues. Why? Because first, we all struggle with sin. And secondly, our tongues, remember again, when I say tongue, I mean virtual as well. Our tongues are dangerous. And finally, our tongues only hope is the word of God. James starts this passage by addressing teachers, and he gives this warning. Not many of you should be teachers, because as he says, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And we can understand on the surface what he is saying, because people open up their minds and hearts and lives to those who claim to be sent by God with a message and given a higher message that is that is good for them to listen to. And in that position, a teacher could infect and destroy and lead people to believe and do the wrong things. But the message for every single person in this room, all of us, is this. Be careful what you set yourself up to say to other people. Like you know what you're talking about. Why inviting and creating an audience around your words. Be careful starting a new thread or an answering someone else with a I know it authority or, or fake humble responses. You know, the, the all shocks response is designed really to be a verbal Trojan horse of explosive shame and cynicism, right? Don't so easily go around babbling and blabbing and telling people your view or, or opinion on things at a whim like you're going to teach somebody or show somebody something. You know, you're going to be keeping it real or proving something about it to yourself. Going around trying to make your point and your point known with some sort of unilateral, I have a right to free speech and, and be a teacher in your own right way. This is Christianity, not Americananity, right? So our ethic, I'm sorry, is not, a built on the, not built on the constitutional amendments, but the word of God. So freedom of speech takes on a different ethic with God's word. And the word of God through James is saying that we should be very careful and fight the automatic urge to speak with authority, self or other given, because you got a lot, lot of hits or likes, right? We should shy away from that kind of role, that kind of speaking role. We should be very, very 
careful. Why? He says it in verse 2. He says we shouldn't put ourselves in these positions. Why? For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. He's saying we all struggle with sin. Which means we can be mistaken and wrong in what we say. We all stumble because we don't know it all. Surprise! Right? Because you can't see it all. But worse, we stumble because our hard intentions are often hidden from us. And they may not always be good. This word stumble was often used to talk about teachers who would cause listeners to be shysted or, or fall for a scam or lie or trick. The Bible is saying we who call or make others hear our words, if we are stumbling or unsure about what we are saying, our listeners will stumble with us and make them possibly act and be as wrong as we are. We could lead people astray. Why? Because we are sinners and as sinners, we could be mistaken and wrong. As broken people in a broken world, chances are, Hear this, please. Sometimes I got to say this to myself a lot, especially in a position I'm in as a teacher or preacher, if you will. As broken people in a broken world, chances are you are probably in and of yourself wrong and definitely not completely and exhaustively right or true in all you say, right? In what we call the logos, which is the truth or the logic of behind your argument and the ethos, right? The heart behind what you and why you are saying what you are saying. But not only should we train our tongues because in our struggle with sin, we can be mistaken and wrong, but we all have the fuel for sin living inside of us. Look at the second half of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. And I want to bring your attention to the phrase tongue. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It is saying that, that our tongue has the ability to carry and then let out all the unrighteousness that, act, that lives in us, right? And then look at what he says in verses 8 through 12. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring forth... The spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt warding. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a great grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, there's a lot there that I read through. 
But let me summarize it by saying our communication, right, our words, our tongue may be a weapon of mass destruction, but the fuel, right, the chemistry necessary, the lead for the bullets, the the plutonium, the, the poisonous elements, the bitterness that the tongue can delve out on people is in our nature. It is in us. If we were to cut off our tongues and fingers so we couldn't talk or type or text, Right? The weapon would be gone, but the poison, the fuel of hate and fire that is destructive would still be struggling to get out from out of us. It is almost like James is saying, at heart, we came in this world with the survivalist killer instinct. Our soul is like this hurt locker of explosive realities, right? And our tongue is rearing to let the stuff out. He says it can stain our bodies. Another way of describing that is our stomachs are kind of filled with sour mash of nausea. And we want to vomit it up. Like we have the ability to do that with, to ourselves and to other people. So it's saying, don't jump so quickly to speak. Remember what James told us back two chapters ago and it made sense? Hey, you, human being, be quick to hear, slow to speak. Because we all have been shaken up or stood up or made ourselves speak out with not so good intentions and not so godly results. funny because we live in a world now with all the options to speak anonymously, right? So many options to speak, to say what you want to say. It's saying, come on, join in on this thread. Come on, respond to this news article. Come on, be angry with your friends. Come on, post a picture and put just a little comment underneath it. But not only do we struggle with sin because, because our tongues are, are, not only do we struggle with our tongues because we struggle with sin, but our tongues, again, virtual or physical, are actually dangerous. I know it comes down to the user. But in this case, James is saying the tongue, the weapon itself is dangerous. Why? He says it is impossible to control. Look at what he says again, beginning at verse 2, going through verse 4. He says, for, all, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect. He is a perfect man, able also to bridle his, own, his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And then drop down to verse 7 again. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly Poison. Didn't know you were carrying that around today, did you? But the Bible is teaching here that if you can control the tongue, which is impossible to control, 
you would be perfect. Because that would automatically mean that you could control lesser able to control things. So if you found a way to make the untamable tongue do what you want and God do what God ultimately wants and always get the result you want on target from it, then you must be perfect in every other area of your life. If you got a wicked jump shot, chances are you can hit free throws too, right? And since we are not perfect... Our physical and virtual tongues have a mind and result of their own sometimes. Once it is let out of the chute, all bets are off at what it might do and what might happen and how it might be used, right? Once you hit send, that's it. It is out of your control and uncontrollable and untamable in what it does and where it goes, right? The tongue is like a powerful gun with terrible recoil, a powerful car with a big engine but bad steering. When you pull the trigger and hit the gas, death and damage can go anywhere. Y'all heard recently about the woman who killed her gun instructor, right? He let her shoot an automatic weapon with too much recoil and she couldn't control it and it turned and twisted her around and she shot him. How many times has this happened to or by you on Facebook or a text or an email or by phone? You let something out there and you pulled the trigger and you pressed the gas on your words or tongue or communication because you got mad and your tongue or message is still talking and trending long after you have stopped talking and even changed your mind or feel bad about it or have regrets. Look at verse 5 through 8 again. So also the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the, entor- excuse me, the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It is a small, the tongue, your communications, right? Let me go back. You're, you're, you're tweeting and, and blogging and anything else you respond to is a small kindling of fire. But once it is set, it can be dangerous in a world that is dry of meaning and dry for truth and dry for scam and dry for, for, for juicy messages, right? And, and, and dry for making evil and things get way out of control quickly and get beyond your ability to do anything to heal it or fix it or stop it. When we speak, when we talk, when we type, it sets the course of nature, James says. It get things, gets things going and happening outside of the person who said it. There are fires burning inside people and all over the place because you gossiped. Because someone shared one thing about one person that they let know or see in confidence, right? Or you bragged about one thing. 
Or you got angry one time and let them have a piece of your mind publicly or privately on Facebook. You kept it real and true and boom, no one can tame its effect and its ability to keep talking and digging and damaging people, relationships and even belief systems and even you. Like James says and illustrates in verse 8 and 10. A word, a communication can be one drop of poison in spring water. A little salt and fresh water and it disseminates and spreads through the whole thing. That's why he says that the tongue is set on fire by hell. Because if hell gets a hold of some of our unwise, quick, unbridled, unprayed over, ungodly, misused, careless, gossiping, guessing, hoping to make you good words, hell will use it like a ladder and every evil will climb out of the pit on our words and up into our worlds and lives and minds and heart. No one can tame it or control its power. And once it's loose, the Bible's teaching, it is incredibly destructive. James uses images of small but great, of poison, of cursing, right, and mixed results to describe the destructive nature of our words. Look back at verse 3 again with me. If we put bits in the, into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue, he says, it's like a small bit that controls a huge horse. A very small rudder that controls a ship. A small fire that can take down a forest. I want us to pay close, close attention to this statement in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James is telling us that part of the great danger is that though small, it has Pandora box level disaster. It is napalm and nuclear. It, it will burn and gain power and strength as it goes and burns up and stumps and tramples anything and blow up anything in its way. Innocent, involved or not involved, talking or not talking, deserving and not deserving. So an untamed tongue, as small as it is, is destructive in its vastness. How many people in situations can be, can be touched by one or two words? By a yes! By a no, by a maybe. And the fact that these things can explode from just a tongue, just one text, just one little thread, just one pic, just one comment, just one detail left out of out to make the story more juicy. James is saying that the tongue is destructive because it is small and concealable, right? It is destructive because we are apt to take it for granted because everyone has one and it is so easily overlooked and used. He is warning us 
that our words not, must not be taken for granted ever. If we do, we will have a disaster of emotional, spiritual, and social carnage on our hands from one small wor word, one small member, as he calls it. But that small thing can change the course of nature, and hell's fire can come from it. But look at, the, look at the other imagery. He says it is poison. James is saying what we do with our tongues or communications can have lasting and lingering deadly effects of poison. It again just needs one trusting forum or person, just one entry point, one quick strike. And it can result in a painful, sometimes lingering effect that can, get this, make a whole family for generations based on a lie or half-truth have a poison feel and poison relationships that boil up and cause havoc. Look, I'm from the South. I know how Southern families with this secrets can be. You wonder why aunt so-and-so and aunt so-and-so can't sit together. You wonder why if you say anything, there's a big explosive fight. Why? Why can't we call each other? What's going on, mama? Why can't we play with our cousins? What's happening? Because somebody said something 30 years ago. I just remember when I pastored a church, when I pastored a church in Baltimore, we, you know, average age of person was 65, 70. And I remember we had a meeting. It was Christmas time and nobody would do the Christmas decorations at church. Because there were two families. Some pastor said one thing to the other and one thing to the other person. And the words got mixed up and so-and-so probably said something like this. And now they are saying, well, you took my reef off the door. That's what so-and-so told me, that you moved my stuff because you said my stuff didn't look good. 30 years later. You should have seen it. It was absurd. So we had one of the women come in and her daughter's with her. Poison in the church, 30 years. And the other one came in, and when she came in to sit at the table, she turned her chair around. All over, the pastor saying something about a Christmas wreath. My Lord. Somebody had to worship. We had an upstairs and downstairs church. One family worshiped downstairs because someone said something about somebody else's organ playing. And you millennials, with your virtual global connections, can poison a whole company personality or product forever with an Instagram post or tweet. Target had to take a bunch of clothes off the rack because one millennial went in there with their camp, with their phone. Click, click. This is evil and racist. That's it. It's done. Now, it might have been good in some sense, but you guys understand the power of your communications. In verse 9, he says this to describe the destructive power of our tongue and our words, our virtual communications. Look at verse 9, if you will. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father. And hear this part. And with it we curse people who are, who, who are made in the likeness of God. By referring to people, and I think how powerful this, 
By referring to people made in the image and likeness of God being cursed, James is saying that our words are capable of tearing down, breaking, marring, and staining, and stealing what only God could have given a person. Their sense of God-given worth and dignity and honor, get this, regardless of whether they are a believer or the worst sinner or not, cursing is actually saying, to hell with you, you are not worth much or anything to God. Who is he talking to here? When he says you have the power of blessing and cursing in your mouth? He's talking to believers. Christians. Yes, those capable of blessing, as this verse says, this is who James is talking to. But we who claim to be believers have said and communicated some of the most ungodly and cruel things, not only to each other, but to those whom we deem our cultural and moral adversaries. The kind of language and wording and descriptions used by some evangelical Christians against the LGBT community its people or those who believe in a woman's right to have an abortion or our president or other elected officials or racial tensions and guilt created by events in our country, regardless of whether they are being biblical or not, has made some of us that much more unbiblical, condemning folks to hell and subhumanity with our words. The scripture says you can't do that. You can't condemn people to hell. You can't call them subhuman. You can't claim automatically God has nothing to do with them. You don't know. You don't know what God's doing or what will God do in the life of anybody and will you go around cursing people. You know, the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. As a matter of fact, they shouldn't have considered themselves teachers who said that because while a physical bruise may heal, the emotional and mental scars that verbal abuse and careless or, uncaring wor or an uncaring word leaves may never go away. And it may actually spread like poison or mark and determine our destiny and, and curse us, right? But it gets worse because in verse 10 again, he says this. He says this. Look at verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Then he says in verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James is like, what can make the tongue in our words really bad? Right? He's asking is when it comes from someone or some source that we are trusting is giving us life. From someone we're trusting 
to give us who come off saying, I love you. I care for you. Uh, you know, I'm for you, right? That, that is that you're trusting to give you life and love a truth, but they are capable and actually disseminating cursing with the blessing and salt with the pure water. And when we expect love, they curse us and hate us with their words. We are sitting ducks taking it all in. Believers and parents and husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends, friends and good neighbors, you who claim to know and have the love of God, they are looking to you from your profession of faith, your mouth, saying you are a believer or a father or a husband or a wife. You are wide open for truth and love and comfort and power and care and carefulness and edification and building up in our tongues. Our words can be split-tongued, dangerous because people are expecting and looking for purity, but they get split, right? A, a drop of poison, a dangerous but delicious verbal meal for people trusting us to be and say who we say we are and the tongue our words can and do and give both. You remember how evil it was when it used to be? I don't know if they still do this anymore. You'd always have to go home and check your candy after Halloween because of the urban legends, right? People putting razor blades in the, in the candy corn. Don't eat no candy corn. Right? Don't, go, don't eat no apple. Don't eat a piece of fruit. Right? They put it in a kid's bag because it could hurt you. This is what James is talking about. These things ought not to be so. This is the vilest and cruelest thing that we would give somebody something with a razor blade in it. That we would cover it with, with some sort of promise of, of love and peace and joy. And in it is something harmful. But you're thinking, we're not like that. We're not putting razor blades and needles in kids' candy. I hope not. But many of us have said harsh and uncaring things to our spouses. In a heat of argument, we have cursed each other. to our children because we want them to do better. We have said and experienced, some of you have experienced some shameful and evil and manipulating and crushing words from a father or mother and family members. And it could have been years ago. Maybe your parents said something to you as a child, a teenager, and that thing has damaged how they and you see ourselves. It is like we are literally cursed and hexed and hexing others by some comment, and it won't leave, and it makes people think and believe you can't trust what anyone says. Which for the gospel, the message that God has given us, is hard. You are victims and victimizers of some serious verbal abuse. What do we do with that? Let me level with you in this sermon on this passage, in this passage right here. James does not give us much obvious hope other than this. And you kind of have to turn over a rock to find it. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7 with me. Look at verse 7 with me. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed 
and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly, deadly poison. Did you see the hope for a restless, untamable tongues? Again, it's under a rock, but it's there. He says no human being can control it. I like how James mixes in creation here, cause, because in bringing up animals and then creation of human beings and the likeness of God in verse 10, it helps us remember that human beings were created to have dominion. That is power over all the creatures, animals and birds to tame them. But mankind, hear this, mankind himself was created to have God have dominion over them. And not for humankind to have dominion over himself and others. Even before the fall, Adam and Eve's sense of worth and practice and actions were to be guided and led by their relationship with God as their Lord. Let me ask you something. How much more a fallen and broken and hurt and damaged by sin human being needs the Lord's dominion over their lives? The tongue lesson is a bigger lesson of control here. We can't run and control our own lives no matter how hard we try because we can't even control our own little mouths and thumbs and words. So the hope of controlling and sanctifying and quenching the damaging flames of our tongues is only in humbling ourselves, repenting to God, and agreeing wholeheartedly that Lord... I cannot be in charge of my own life, of my words and my thoughts and computations. I am damaging and dangerous in and by myself. You, Lord, alone can tame the tongue and the broken and sinful heart that are at the bottom of my words. In other words, y'all, there is hope for our tongue. There is hope to put out and tame the fires that we have started and are apt to start and the poison and anger that has hurt others and even hurt us. And James even hints at it by saying, you are a people who are capable. Now hear this again, it's under a rock, but here it is. He says, you have the ability to bless and curse. And then he says, these things ought not to be so. What is going on here? James is saying, you are a people with a dragon tongue that has been changed by God and now able to bless God. The ability to bless the Lord changes everything. It is the God-granted right of God's people who might have a dragon-shaped tongue, but who also have a reshaped heart to call on God and ask him for help to repent to him for what you've said and actually ask him to tame the tongue and calm the fires and heal the damage you have made. Bless the Lord, it's saying, by going and repenting for what you have said. Bless the Lord by waiting before you speak to seek him to condition your heart before you say it. Bless the Lord by actually knowing what the word of God says and what you should believe and speak it to, to and over yourself and others. God's word to us and in us and in our minds and hearts and mouths. Get this can recreate, can redeem all that has been said to us and by us that has caused years of mess. 
There is hope for her tongue and words because of God's spoken word to us. It can change us. It will tell us and the world the truth. Not only that, but it can heal and deliver and fix and halt the plans of the fires of hell that rage through what we say and may have said. So we take our words and replace them with God's words. We take the world's false, false words and we hear what God has to say. But look again at verse 11. It says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives? Her grapevine produced figs, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You know what Jesus called in the Gospel of John? The Logos, the Word of God that became flesh. The living Word of God, Jesus, later in John, claims himself to be the living water. And says, if, you, if anyone drinks, let him come to me. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out, now hear this, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you hear that? Jesus, the living word, the tongue of God, if he will, has come to live in people like you and me with a dragon tongue, but therefore out of us because of him can come and does come and should come and our hope to come rivers of living water, fresh and true and redeeming words of life. If you have not had your heart tamed, turn toward the living word and water. Jesus, Jesus, right? You are ruled not just by a dragon tongue that flames and burns, burns the world and even the ones you love, but by a heart that is filled with back and forth uncertainty and bitterness. You need Jesus, the living word and water. And if you claim to be a believer... Hear the good news for your split and fiery dragon tongue. In Christ, you have the living word in you. You have a river of life flowing in and out of you. And with God's words on and guiding and broadening your tongues, they are capable of truth and blessing because of Jesus, God's word in. And in our words, we are capable of putting out the flames that burn in other people's lives to put our lives raging with consuming fury, not only in your heart, but in the life and heart of others. We are able to be part of the redemption. How do we train our dragon tongues? Only by Christ taming and turning our dragon hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. Replace our words with your words. Give us the words to say. Let Christ, the living water, the water that is pure, begin to be alive and more alive in us so that out of our mouths flow waters of life. 
I pray for those who have suffered great verbal abuse. I pray for those of us who've been careless in giving it out. Lord, your words can redeem. Help us to repent. Help us to turn to you. Lord, sometimes we don't know what to say. We pray that we would turn to your word to give us words to say. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.